0: Hi, Pastor John here. How often do we fail to understand the significant events in our lives until we're able to look back on them? As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, we take a look at two men and two groups of people who at first failed to understand the events surrounding the cross and the empty tomb. Join us as the three churches that meet in our building, Veritas Church, Mission Christian Emmanuel, and Warrenton Bible Fellowship come together for our Easter service. how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Amen? Amen. While the kids are ushering out, I'd like you to turn to Luke 24. We're going to be in verses 13 through 32. While you're turning there, let me tell you a little story about my career in the car business several years ago. Kelly and I had won a night out with the Ford Motor Company, and we went down to this place in Chantilly. They had the festivities set up, there were games, there was karaoke, there was prizes to be had and everything. We were pretty excited about it, we had a great dinner. And we managed to win a lot of points together, and I got a little bit excited, but then I wasn't so excited when I found out we were in third place. And the grand prize for the evening was a trip to to Bermuda, and so I realized we weren't going to get that. I kind of checked out. And started ignoring the proceedings and all of a sudden, Kelly's sitting next to me she's excited, she goes, look, look, look and I'm, I, I turn around what, what, what just happened, what just happened and she's trying to explain something to me and all I knew was something was going on I wasn't quite sure so I want you to hold on to that idea this morning what just happened, that's the truth we have to hold on to this morning and it's also the title of our sermon what just happened because sometimes the importance of a moment can go right by us. Sometimes we can miss the significance of a particular moment in time and not realize that it's going to have a huge impact on us. And at the moment they occur, sometimes we have to we have to look back. You've all been through this before. You look back and go, oh, that's what was going on. We didn't realize it at the moment. So today we're going to take a look at some of the key players in the crucifixion, resurrection uh, scenario, and and see if they understood what just happened when Jesus walked out of that tomb. Did they get a grip on what had just occurred? And here are the people we're going to look at. We're going to look at two men and two groups. We'll look at Pilate and Herod. We'll look at the women that were moving towards the tomb, and we'll look at the disciples. Did these folks have any idea what was going on that day? We're going to see what they missed, and then hopefully we'll get a chance to take a look at what it might mean to us here today. So here's the setting. Jesus has been crucified. His followers are scattered. They're afraid. They're they're worried that the Romans or maybe even the Jews are going to come after them next Some have been to the tomb, and it's empty, but nobody quite knows what to make out of that. They're not even sure whether or not to believe it. Some of the women claim to have seen him alive. They don't know what to do with that either. How could somebody that was dead be alive? News hasn't really gotten around yet. The disciples know that there's something unusual going on, but they're not quite sure what it means, and some of those who were following have decided to go home. It's over not quite sure what to make of all they've heard but what the one thing that they know is that when somebody's dead they're dead so let's take a look at Luke 24, 13 and I'm going to read through this and then we'll talk about it that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? He's talking to Jesus Christ two things these guys are sad they're grieving their dreams are over they're wondering what's wrong with this guy here doesn't he know anything about what's going on then they have this long dialogue during which Jesus whom they don't yet recognize tells them all of the scriptures that points to himself a little later, Jesus sits down to have dinner with the same guys. And we see this in Luke 24, 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. I love that. I love it. The moment they recognize him, what happens? Poof, he's gone. Yeah. So I, I, by now they know something very unusual is going on. They said to each other in verse 32, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. See, this was a what just happened moment. This is a moment in time where you start rethinking things. Clearly, something extraordinary is going on. Something very unusual. The question is whether or not any of these good people know how extraordinary this moment is. Whether or not the significance is Rested upon them yet. Now, we're going to get back to these disciples in just a few minutes, but let's take a look at our first person. The one one person in this whole scenario that had the earthly authority to spare Jesus the cross is Pontius Pilate. He's a Roman governor of Judea, and so he had authority in Judea. And on that world-changing Sunday morning, he's probably sitting in his quarters Fortress of Antonio, right up there near the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, middle of Jerusalem. And obviously he had no idea what was going on. To him, Jesus was a threat to his personal welfare. So we see in John 19, verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. Pilate's trying to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Now the Jews had told Pilate that Jesus was calling himself a king. And now they're saying to Pilate, look, if you go along with this guy and you set him free, you're going to get in trouble with Caesar. And I don't want to have to tell you what happened to to officials and government officials that gave Caesar a hard time. And the way you gave Caesar a hard time back then was by not having control over the area that you had authority over. So the Roman Empire was trying to expand. They had all their resources at the edge of the empire, fighting wars and and moving the borders of Rome. They didn't need any trouble inside the borders because then they would have to divert resources to that and they wouldn't be able to expand the empire. So if you didn't have control over your area, you didn't just get fired. They would come in and slit your throat and replace you with someone else. So that's the threat to Pilate at this particular moment. So he was probably glad Jesus was gone and done for at this point. But still, he was curious, wasn't he? I mean, at one point he asked Jesus, are you king? That's in Luke 23. Pilate would have heard the stories about all the miracles. It's his job to stay on top of this stuff. He had heard the stories about the incredibly authoritative preaching A guy tracking as much attention as Jesus did would have been high on on Pilate's radar screen, particularly after that story about Lazarus. I mean, just a day or two ahead, Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Pilate would have been aware of this. He's curious, but now now he's cautious because he assigns Roman centurions to, to guard the tomb. Not quite sure what he was singing of, but in Matthew 27, he sends these these centurions to secure the tomb. So I'm sure that by this point, Pilate was kind of wondering exactly who that guy was, but I'm also sure that he has no clue that he was sending to the cross the Savior of the world. He had no clue how significant this was. He had no clue as to what had just happened take a look at Herod, our second person. He's the Tetrarch over Galilee. This was a Jewish person that was given authority much the same way that Pilate would have had it. Of course, Jesus is from Galilee. He didn't know what happened. He thought he was getting rid of a rival, somebody that was after his power and his name, his authority. He actually made fun of Jesus in Luke chapter 23. All he wanted was for Jesus to be out of the way. He didn't know that you can't hide from Jesus. He didn't know that you can't run away from him. He didn't know that you can't even avoid Jesus. For those people that tell you he's not my God, they're going to find out that he is. You can't get away from him. He didn't know that we would all stand before Jesus one day in judgment. Sooner or later, we all have to face Jesus. And we don't have the option of saying, I'm not going. He thought his guards could keep Jesus in the tomb. He thought that Jesus' death put an end to everything. He knew so little about his scriptures that he didn't recognize the Messiah when the Messiah shows up. He didn't know it was impossible for Jesus to stay in the tomb because he was the son of God. Herod didn't know that the tomb was actually part of God's plan of redemption for his children. He didn't even know that his evil, vengeful, hateful heart played right into the plan that God had for those who believed in him. And he didn't know that he had played a key role in what had just happened. So those are the two men. Let's take a look at our first group, the women going to the tomb. They didn't realize what had just happened. If they had realized what had just happened, they wouldn't have spent a considerable amount of money to buy the spices and the claws and the herbs and everything that they were going to wrap the body in. John's Gospel tells us it's about 75 pounds. That's a lot, even for that day. And what they were doing was they were preparing to give a funeral to a king. So they recognized that something was going on with Jesus Christ, but now they're ready to bury him they'd realize what just happened. They wouldn't have been concerned about somebody rolling the stone away. They wouldn't have been concerned about being afraid, Mark 16, verse 8. They wouldn't have been weeping, and we see that in John chapter 20. I think one of the most poignant evidence we have that they didn't fully understand is what Mary says in John chapter 20, verse 23. They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. The resurrection is so far beyond their way of thinking that they're filling in blanks. And they're doing it for God. You ever do that? You ever fill in blanks? You've got a little bit of evidence. You've got a little notion about something that's going in and you start making your own assumptions about it. Filling in blanks for God. They're living in what we would call today a false narrative. Rather than trusting in the word of God, rather than putting into application everything that Jesus had told them, they're relying on their own sense of reason. Instead of opening their minds and their hearts to the miracle that was unfolding right before their eyes, they're trying to figure things out. We do that, don't we? We have people, you know, talk to somebody about doctrine sometimes. Especially talk to somebody that that doesn't believe the doctrine that you believe. And they say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. God's not here to make sense to us, brothers and sisters. God's here to bring glory to himself. And the great thing about being one of his children is we get wrapped up in God glorifying himself. We get saved. We get transformed. That doesn't make sense. These women wanted things to make sense. So did the disciples, our second group. They're, they're struggling with understanding what just happened. They know there's something going on. To some, their faith was now finished. They were done. The two in our text put their faith, faith in the in the past tense. They said, We had hoped, didn't that? What, what, we, we, we thought this was going to happen. But it's all that that even that phrase is just tainted with, but it didn't. They're sad when Jesus runs up on them. They're grieving. To others, faith was was just a fiction. The apostles had heard the resurrection story, but it seemed to them like nonsense. They didn't believe. It seemed like nonsense to them that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. They said, I'm sorry that doesn't compute. I can't connect those lines. I can't make sense out of this. And the problem with that is, instead of experiencing the awe and the wonder of a transcendent God, they reason that it must not be happening. They're missing the moment. To still the others, their faith was, was a fantasy. I mean, how many times do we see in scriptures where people encounter the resurrected Christ and they don't recognize? Now, we don't really know what's going on there, but part of what's happening is that it's so unexpected to see him because you've assumed so powerfully that he's dead that you don't recognize what's happening when he shows up. Yes, it's a glorified body. Yes, there are some differences in it. But that's a result of trying to reason things out. So all that pretty much describes Jesus' followers immediately after the crucifixion. We need to think about this. What happened during those, those couple days? They were defeated. They were disheartened. They're ready to walk away from all their dreams and all their hopes. It just didn't work out. And you know what's going on in their hearts? We devoted three years to this. We followed them everywhere. We watched them do this. We saw incredible things happen. And now, now it's over you ever reached that point in your life where you just thought that everything that you wanted was too far beyond your reach? It's what the disciples are, are doing right here. They're absolutely shattered. They're destroyed. But watch this. God seems most frequently to do his most mighty works with the shattered remen- remnants of our dreams and our hopes. Doesn't he? Doesn't God move as most powerfully when we've given up on everything we can do? Doesn't he move as most powerfully when we've given up on everything that that we understand and just yielded ourselves to him and his word? None of these people realized what had just happened. They were about to, but they weren't there yet. Go back and take a look at our two guys. Pilate didn't know what happened. Uh, Totally unaware. He thought the whole thing was over. Pilate didn't know that he he was unable to destroy Jesus, that all the power in Rome could not destroy Jesus. As a matter of fact, the power of Rome was just used by God to implement his plan. Most powerful nation in the world. Pilate, the only one in this scenario that had the earthly authority to spare Jesus Christ the cross, stood by and watched as justice was mocked stood by as the truth that he sought. He said to Jesus, who knows what truth is? Truth is standing right in front of him, and he's missing it. He didn't know the irony of what he had said. He stood by as an innocent man was executed. And perhaps the most Amazing thing about Pilate's reluctance to take action is that God used his reluctance to take action to perfect his plan of redemption for all mankind. Even so, there's no redemption for Pilate, at least none that we see in this text, because Pilate literally stared the truth in the face and rejected it there are consequences for rejecting Jesus Christ Herod didn't know what happened he was glad to be rid of Jesus glad he was out of the way he became a hero and a friend to Romans he didn't understand the 2000 year he would be the villain That we'd be looking back on him thinking that wow he missed it of all the people we see assembled around the cross and around the resurrection Herod should have been the first one to recognize Jesus shouldn't he? I mean, he's a Jew. He's a leader. He should have been familiar with the Scriptures. He's given his place of leadership by God. God sets up kings, and he takes them down. And rather than using it to draw his people closer to God, he uses power and authority for his own self-interest, to edify himself. His nation was charged with being a blessing to all nations. And in the end, he chose to bless Choose to bless himself, didn't it? This is where self-interest will take you. He never dreamed that there were impossibly richer and eternal blessings to be had in the one that he was trying to persecute. Two men: one who could have acted and didn't, and the other one who acted only in self-interest. There were these two groups of people women didn't know what had happened. They were grieving. And in their grief, they, they had forgotten all the promises, resigned themselves to their circumstances. They were operating on their own wisdom. We shouldn't be too hard on them because we all know how easy it is for our circumstances to overwhelm us, for us to lose our perspective, how easy it is when things get tough to forget the promises that God has made to us, that everything happens for, for our good And his glory, we see it in Romans 8 28. These women would have to stretch themselves to challenge themselves into believing what the scriptures say instead of what they feel is right. It's a hard one, isn't it? The world tells us to follow our hearts, doesn't it? Sometimes the church will tell us to follow our hearts. What does scripture say about our hearts? Deceptively wicked. The disciples didn't know. They, they were the ones. They were the ones that should have known. Above everyone else. They walked with him for three years. They witnessed the miracles. They heard the teaching. They saw the glory of things that were to come. And they thought that somehow, some way. Things had gone off the rails. Oh, they knew something was going on, but none of them knew that the world was changing forever right in front of their eyes. They had a ringside seat to the pivotal moment in the history of all mankind. One that would affect the eternal destiny of everybody who ever lived, starting with Adam and going right through the last person. They had no idea how significant this was. They had no idea that 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 moment pivoted not just around the cross but the proof of the eternal significance of that moment was in the empty tomb that they were wondering about. What just happened? What just happened was everything changed. Everything revolves around this moment. Our question of the day is what just happened? For Kelly and me at that Ford party, what what I found out was the first two winners had declined the, the, the prize. And, and we got the trip to Bermuda. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? I didn't understand the significance. I missed the moment. But you know what? We still received the gift. We still got the gift. Now, I don't mean to compare a trip to Bermuda to the eternal destiny of myself or anyone else. But the principle is still the same. The astounding miracle that occurred that day when they came up on the empty tomb. A gift was given to the followers of Christ, and they were as unaware of that gift as as I was in in that, that ballroom down in Chantilly. Yes, you can receive a gift, but you can miss how important it is. You can miss how incredibly important it is. The most important gift any of us will ever receive is the gift of eternal life. And that's what's offered in that empty tomb. All the folks in these passages that we read today, every one of them, and everyone here today, and all those that are are listening online are eligible for that gift. And it didn't matter what they did, right? And it didn't matter what we did. And it doesn't matter what you've done. All that matters is that there's a free gift. Do you understand how important that is? Do you understand that your destination in eternity revolves around what you do with that gift? What you make of it. Do you know what happened when Jesus walked out of that tomb? Watch this. There came a guarantee of judgment. The scriptures tell us, Acts 17, 31, because he, God, has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God says everybody gets judged. Now, that's not good news. Unless, unless you understand That as he comes out of the tomb, as the tomb is emptied, there's a guarantee of forgiveness. Watch this. Uh, Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, there is redemption and forgiveness of sins when that day of judgment comes. That's not all. He gave, us, he gave us a guarantee of hope. Some of us may need that right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, for you who believe in him. See what all this means to us today, what all this means to you and me. It's all part of a gift. And the scriptures tell us that all you have to do to receive that gift is to confess your sins and repent and believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ was the only one who understood what had just happened when he walked out of the tomb. Everybody else kind of came around. Everybody else, brothers and sisters, will come around. Our job is to make sure that they know about it before that day that we stand in front of them. So Jesus knew what had just happened. And now you do too. And now you understand too. And the question we all have to face is what will we do with that? What will we do with that information? Will we walk away and say, no, it's not for me. I'm going to tell you something. It's for you. It's for you. It's for all of us. What will we do with it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that that empty tomb. We thank you, Father, for everything that it says. We thank you for every promise that it fulfills, which is every promise you've ever made. We thank you for the promise that we will be with him again at the end, and no matter what we're going through right now, no matter what we might endure right now, there will come a day when we will stand with you in glory. For those of us who have confessed our sins have repented have received Jesus Christ as Savior, we look forward to that day, and we hold on to the hope that that day gives us. Father, we pray that that would catalyze us, would give us an urgency in our hearts to share that good news with the people around us. We might carry the news of the empty tomb from this place out into this city, out into this state, out into the nation, and into the world. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. This time we're going to be taking communion. If it were not for Jesus opening our eyes, we would still be blind. We wouldn't see him. If we're not for Jesus, opening our deaf ears, we would not hear truth. If it wasn't for Jesus giving us a new heart, we wouldn't love him. But we love him because he first loved us. And we get to declare that this morning. Even though we couldn't come to him, guess what? He came to us and so the deacons are going to come forward and pass out communion if you know jesus as your lord and savior then this meal is for you you're a child of god doesn't matter what church you go to okay uh you know christ if you don't know him then let the let the plate pass so glad that you're here this morning right if you want to place your faith in him even before that plate gets there hey praise god and then you could talk to one of the three churches to get you baptized, all right? We got plenty of pastors here for that. But <laughs> well, I'll let them pass out the plate. as Reagan plays place for us.
2: A crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he would soon be dead. He said, did you forget me, Father, did you?
1: the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. And oh Jesus, we thank you for your body. After giving thanks, he took it and he broke it, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Take and eat the body of Christ. In like manner, he took the cup and likewise gave thanks. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your blood. Pouring out, he said, this is the new covenant which is in my blood. Take and drink, and as often as you do, you proclaim my death until I come again. Take and drink the blood of Christ. Amen. As we go forth, let's go forth in victory. Amen. Would you all please stand and let's sing.
2: I was buried beneath my shame. was my tune till I lived. I was breathing but not alive all my failures I tried to hide it was my But chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven When I was broken, you were my hero
1: Amen, amen. So thankful uh, to be here with all of you, the three churches coming together to worship our one and only true Savior. King. So good. Uh, hey, if you are new or guest here and you don't go to one of those three churches, hey, we're having a time of offering, uh, but you can let that, pa- let that pass, okay? All right. Uh, we're just thankful that you're here with us this morning. You can come back next week, really at any time, and the church will probably be happening, okay? Um, yep, just, just come on back next week. For those of you, you already know, you come here all the time, you know where your offering bins are, right? Uh, and if you can't get to them, just bring it next week, okay? All, it's all good. Hey, uh, as you go forth from here, we've got like pictures to be taken, y'all looking good, okay, pictures outside for family, do it for mom, okay, uh, there's <laughs> pictures outside that you can do, there might be some leftover donuts from the donut reception, make sure uh, to spoil your lunch, <laughs> or not for mom again, right, um, but hey, it's been so great here with you all this morning. Thank you, Pastor John, for the message. Pastor Juan as well for our call to worship. Uh, now as we go, we started in Matthew 28. Remember, go to Galilee. I'll, I'll see you there. Well, they go to Galilee and they see him there. Matthew 28, verse 16. We'll go with this benediction and sending, just as the disciples likewise were sent. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen?
0: Amen. Amen. You are sent. Pastor John here again. Thanks for joining us. It was a wonderful, and unique Easter service with Mission Christiani Emanuel Iglesia, Veritas Church, and Warrenton Bible Fellowship, all meeting at 46 Winchester Street, Warrenton, Virginia. You can find us all on Facebook and on YouTube till we see you again God bless.